Green and White Noise is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know ticket prices drop right before the game starts? Well, because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. I am going to a pro wrestling show on Wednesday, and Game Time had tickets cheaper than I could find anywhere else. If you're looking for tickets to the Pinstripe Bowl, where MSU will be playing, Game Time is your place to go. Colton, what uh, what tickets have you been trying to get right now? You know, I've been meaning to check out a Pistons game and, and heckle my man James Edwards at work. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love to snag a cheap seat and, and actually make that happen. Well, you know, to get in the door at the lowest price possible, in the best seats possible, check out Game Time. And it's not just sports. Like I mentioned, pro wrestling. You know, I you like basketball. We all love Taylor Swift. Game Time is the best way to get tickets to everything from sporting events to even shows by artists like T-Swift. It's got an easy two-tap checkout. You're in and you're out. Easy as can be. You know what I wish I could do in just two taps? Clean my house. Got a lot of dogs in here, a lot of dog hair. Maybe I need a Roomba, maybe not, but with two taps, it'd be nice to have that house clean. With Game Time, two taps and you got your tickets. The Game Time app is quick, quick, simple, easy to navigate. Make sure you download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got him. Wide open. He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. He can walk in. Spartans win. Touchdown, MSU. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Green and White Noise. My name is Chris Vanini. I'm joined by Colton Pouncey. We are your hosts, and it's time to talk Michigan State football pinstripes, and loyalty. Reminder, uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, the All-Decade podcast from uh, a week or two ago is available uh, wherever you get podcasts or on the Athletic app. Joe Rexo joined us for that. We talked about the best players, best moments from Michigan State football over the last decade. So while you're waiting in anticipation for the Pinstripe Bowl and want to hear some more about Michigan State football, check that out. Colton, what's going on? How was your first... Real weekend without football. Ah, uh, it was great. You know, I, I caught up on some sleep, which I haven't really been able to do the last three months. <laughs> but, you know, I will say I've been better because I think everyone knew where I wanted to go for the bowl destination. I was holding out hope for the Quick Lane Bowl. Um, it disappeared very quickly. So, you know, I think just it's just like time. Just like the service at Quick Lane. Yeah. You know, I think I think it's just time for me to move on. And hopefully that will happen this episode. Yeah, so Michigan State will play Wake Forest in the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium on December 27th, 3.20 p.m. We have already delivered a warning to Colton that the press box is open air. because <sighs> Usually for baseball games, uh, our colleague Nicole Arbeck said it was the coldest she has ever been <laughs> covering that game. Uh, make, I, I guess make sure you're 
you're you're you're dressed warm. I know they used to give out hats to the media in the press box. I don't know if that's the case, but this goes to case for everybody in the press box or not. Colton will be just as cold as everybody else in the crowd. So yep. uh, now you'll know what it's like. Um, <laughs> Colton, are you looking forward to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, in all honesty, like the Pinstripe Bowl is a it's a better bowl. Um, you know, I don't think it's the most cost-friendly trip for MSU fans. The Quick Lane Bowl for, for fans in-state would probably be a little bit better. But, you know, it's Just New like York. Just like the service at Quick Lane. Yes. But, you know, it's, it's New York around the holidays, which I've never experienced, but I think I'm looking forward to it, and it's been cool to kind of watch that from afar. Uh, you know, the majority of the MSU team has never been to New York, um, so that'll be an experience for them. Football games at, at baseball stadiums, I, I'm not sure where I stand on that. I remember when Illinois played Northwestern at Wrigley. Um, I was that kinda, didn't work. It didn't. <laughs> it really didn't. They had some issues there. They had to uh, go in all. They had to go in the same direction every time because the one end zone was too close to the outfield fence. But yeah. from everything I've seen, it seems to work a lot better at, at uh, Yankee Stadium. Yeah, they've got it down over there. So I mean, that'll, that'll be cool. Uh, I've never been in Yankee Stadium and. I think it's always cool to get to see new baseball stadiums and things like that. So I'm coming around to it. Uh, it doesn't take much to win me over. So I, I can my, my loyalty can be bought. <laughs> yes, and you got to make sure you go ice skating at, was it Rockefeller Plaza with the big Christmas tree? Yeah. Like in every romantic comedy. Yep. <laughs> you, you, you need to make sure you do that and film it for all of us. I will. I'll post it on Twitter uh, for everyone. Yeah. Yes. So my initial reaction to punting is it it is a more prestigious bowl than the Quick Lane Bowl. I think playing in a bowl game in Detroit would have been just kind of a it's kind of a ugly mark on the program uh, to be in that spot. Um, you know, just nothing against the Quick Lane Bowl, but just kind of either way you're playing an ACC team, so it's not a ton different. But um, it's just I think it's just a better look when it's you're know, you're playing a game outside your state for the season uh that they had so i know there's a pretty big uh michigan state alumni group in new york that i'm sure will uh be involved in that kind of stuff colton you were in new york just a couple weeks ago for the rutgers game yes what were some of the things you did and and you would recommend to uh folks who maybe make the trip out well I don't know if my experience can be, uh, I guess, the same as other people making the trip. But so when I went out there, uh, one of the first things I did, I met up with my, my one of my best friends, Alex Schiffer. He covers the Brooklyn Nets for the Athletic. So um, everybody, go look up Schiff. That's the first thing you're supposed to do. <laughs> go to his house in Jersey. He'll, he's very inviting. Uh, his mom's very nice. Um, so yeah, I met up with him. We drove into Brooklyn together. Then um, I hopped on the subway and visited the Athletics HQ office in Manhattan. So yeah, you guys can do that too. Uh, they probably they may not let you in, but if you want to go demand a free T-shirt or something, or yeah, demand no. that we open a merch store, yeah, please, uh, we won't stop you. I won't stop you. Yeah, um, Mike decided not to show up that day because he didn't want to see me, but you know it's fine. That's producer Mike. Producer Mike, it's okay though. Uh, so from there, I went to Times Square just because you, I guess you, you sort of have to at least once, right? I like um, Times Square. I mean, maybe I'm a weirdo for liking it, but I like it. No, it was cool. Uh, there were some guys that were, like, gathering people around a circle. They basically put on this, like, show for 40 minutes, and they just had one guy jump over, like, two people. 
and I think they made a ton of money. They're going around with the bag. Wait, what do you mean he jumped over two people? So they had two guys like line up and bend over, like kind of vertically, and like uh, like standing and like leaning over like a ninety degree angle. Yes, yes. Okay. And they said, at first they had like six guys, and they kind of like took a few out for some reason. So by the end (laughs) of it, it was like two, and I was like, all right, this is not impressive. But they collected all this money. And you know, good for them. You know, the hustle's yeah. hustle strong. So uh, that was that was cool to just kind of watch. Um, then I went to the Nets game later that night. Uh, met up with one of my friends, Kellen, who lives out there. Um, Shift was covering the game, so when he was done, he met up with us, and we got drinks in the area. So you know, yeah, it was a pretty eventful trip. Uh, but I think I saw like maybe one percent of New York. So there's definitely more to explore when I go out there. And so we're going to bring in producer Mike. He is a New Jersey native. He knows the city well. Mike, everybody knows the tourist attractions. Where do you think people should go? Uh, so maybe some underrated places in uh, New York City. Well, first of all, I'm going to say that when Colton comes back, I'll make sure to avoid the city again. <laughs> um, but I would say, um, it, I mean, maybe some of them are very touristy, but I still think you have to do them, such as, like you mentioned, go see the Christmas tree and ice skating in Rockefeller Center. Uh, I think... Pick one of Empire State Building, One World Trade, or um, uh, 30 Rock and go to the top to get a, a nice view of the entire city. That's a good idea. I, I, think, I think that's that's something that a lot of people would enjoy because it's, it's really hard to see what the city looks like when you're just walking the streets just because their buildings are so tall and you just can't really, you can't really tell. Um, I would also recommend it if people are going maybe a couple days before the game. Um, or are going to stay a couple days after the game, uh, go, go see a Broadway show. I think that's something that, um, yeah. you know, even if you're not into shows, it's something different that you're really not going to get anywhere else. So I think that. And, and, then and, you and, want, you, and, and check out Game Time for discounted Broadway tickets. Yes. Nice plug hey. there, Chris. Well done. <laughs> um, and then I think finally for, for a good meal, I think you can go anywhere, but I would recommend, because you know, I'm a big Italian food guy, I recommend going to Little Italy. Uh, there's plenty, plenty of, of small little places there to get a nice meal, maybe some pasta, uh, even a, even a good slice of pizza. So uh, th- those are my recommendations. Um, maybe on the next few podcasts, I'll, I'll have a few other ones more, a little more discreet. So, Mike, you produce a number of podcasts for The Athletic. Has anybody else had you on? Uh, a few oh, of them, but this is the this, but th- this is the first one I've ever been asked recommendations for the New York. Yeah, Academy. we've got your expertise. Yes. Nice. We, we are we are uh, Mike's favorite podcast. It's well known to everybody, especially the people who do the Clemson podcast. That, everyone uh, says it, yeah. Everyone just keeps saying that. Mike just keeps saying how much he loves Green and White Noise more than the others. So yeah. appreciate, That's appreciate the insight on that, Mike. Uh, <laughs> you got it, guys. And, uh, I, I actually I agree on the World Trade Center. I was in New York in February because my wife was participating in the Westminster Dog Show. And we went to... We did the World Trade Center deal, and that's super cool. Highly recommend it. Uh, I did Empire when I was a kid, either or, but I don't really remember that one. But uh, World Trade Center was really fun. And I'm a big, like, just cheap pizza, New York pizza guy. When I covered, uh, when MSU was there in 2014 NCAA tournament, I think it was, when they when they beat Virginia and lost to UConn. Uh, there was this place called Two Brothers Pizza. There was right next to our hotel. We were near Madison Square Garden. They had $1 slices. I ate so much pizza there over like four days. It was crazy. <laughs> and then when I went back in February, 
it looked like it was gone. So maybe that business model didn't work out. But I, I think I got some famous Ray's pizza near Times Square a few times. So I don't know. I'm a big fan of New York style pizza and just the cheap pizza that barely fits on the plate. Big Chicago. fan of that. So if you're going, make sure you eat some of that. Chicago style is still better. That's not even pizza. It is pizza. Don't be that guy. It's 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 perfectly fine lasagna. But it's, uh, Chris, you're one of those I'm guys. New York man. style. New York wow. style. So, this is hard. This is heartbreaking. We'll 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 talk some more New York, probably later in uh, the coming weeks, since we need stuff to talk about until then. Uh, True. So let's talk about some football. Actually, initial thoughts on Wake Forest. We'll get deeper into them once we kind of study them and stuff. But uh, uh, Wake Forest is a pretty good team. It kind of stumbled down the stretch, but but uh, they were. I think they were ranked at one point in the year, midway through the year as well. Uh, Jamie Newman, that was their quarterback, had a really good year. Uh, he suffered a leg injury, I think, against Syracuse in the last game, and his status seems to be up in the air. Uh, last year's starter, Sam Hartman, took over. Um, Hartman was really good as a freshman last year, and I thought Wake Forest was going to was going to be his team moving forward. But um, Newman got the job and has, has played well. He's also their leading carrier. Uh, he doesn't lead them in rushing yards, but he leads them in rushing attempts. So he's a, a dual threat guy that you want to watch. They're number 39 in scoring offense, number 79 in scoring defense. Uh, last couple of years, Wake Forest has been a lot better offensively and a lot worse defensively compared to what they were the first few years under um, Dave Clawson, the head coach there. Uh, Colton, did you have any initial reactions or thoughts on the matchup with Wake Forest? Um, I mean, well, in terms of storylines for, for what – MSU could have been paired with, you know, obviously I think the Pitt MSU matchup would have been interesting for obvious reasons. Um, you know, there's just so much history between Narduzzi and D'Antonio that looked like a possibility maybe in the quick lane bowl. So things worked out, but it did not materialize, but you know, I think there's still some intriguing aspects of this game. Um, you know, the history isn't there with Wake Forest, but I think that kind of makes it cool. Um, you know, Wake runs this RPO heavy offensive scheme, which, MCU's had its issues with this year. Um, they have the 12th best uh, offense in terms of yards per game. Defense, like you mentioned, isn't really anything special. Uh, 29.3 points per game in the regular season. I think like 38.5 over its final four games. Um, so, yeah, I think Wake Forest, yeah, they were ranked at some point this season. And I think that was the first time they've been ranked since 2008. Um, but they went on to lose three of the final four games. Uh, still the best regular season finish since that 2008 season. So, you know, I'm intrigued. I think it'll, it'll be a cool matchup. I think, you know, this this offense and some of the things they can do and the way they spread the ball will test the MSU defense in a way. But I think uh, they've kind of bounced back in recent weeks playing the Rutgers of Maryland. I, I think that helps. But uh, they seem that's to be that's That's being generous. That's being generous, yeah. Saying but, that MSU bounced back yeah. nine, with 19 points and one touchdown against Maryland. Yeah. De- defensively, I'm saying defensively, um, but sure. yeah, I- I'm intrigued. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll we'll get more into Wake Forest as it goes on. We still got more than two weeks until that game. Um, Mark D'Antonio talked uh, at the, the little bowl press conference for it, and uh, he had some kind of news about the staff. Uh, Colton, what was that? Yeah, so. I don't know if you can it's not, it's not like surprising news but he did say that he's not making staff changes until the end of the year um it's not something he's going to look at to the end of the year which you know didn't really expect him to say anything otherwise yeah <laughs> but, but I, I guess it's on the record um 
Chris, you know, I, I actually texted you like right after that that quote came out. Um, so why don't you, you knew go ahead. You, you knew what my reaction was going to be. I did. So why don't you go ahead and, and share that? <laughs> well, so you know, we all remember that barn burner of a Michigan State Arizona State game earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, was it ten to seven? Was that the final? It was. Yeah, it was the final. And so, like, the day after the regular season ends for Arizona State, now, mind you, this is, like, two weeks after they beat Oregon. Arizona State finished 7-5 uh, and five or 6-6. Six and, six. and, like, the next day, Herm Edwards fired three coaches on the offensive side of the ball, including his coordinator, and he has been doing interviews for offensive uh, coordinator replacements. He has decided to move forward and – Try to find the best guys out there. D'Antonio has always been about loyalty to the staff. Maybe he wants to keep them on, wants them to have a job for Christmas. You know, I get that. But staff loyalty has been what has caused this program to slip these last few years. And if you're going to wait until after Christmas and after New Year's to start looking, to start really looking maybe, um, that's not helping your program. It's also possibly not helping those coaches if, they need to find new jobs and you want to give them as much time as possible, whatever changes he makes. I mean, we don't know exactly what he's going to do. Um, but uh, yeah, that was just my reaction. It was an interesting comparison of, um, you know, a guy who comes from the NFL and is immediately making changes, trying to find the guy that's going to be the best fit. Might even hire Hugh Jackson, former Browns head coach. And I know he wasn't good with the Browns, but he was good with the Bengals. Uh mm-hmm as offense coordinator and you know some people are moving forward north texas fired both coordinators texas has uh done the same thing uh, a lot of these programs are you know they know their coaches who are feeling a little bit of pressure are making changes because they know things need to get fixed quickly and d'antonio still appears to be in no rush for that to happen um and this is again assuming that d'antonio is coming back because if he's not coming back then that's a whole other set of problems he's causing um but uh kind of a tangent on that Uh, i was at i was at memphis over the weekend for the memphis cincinnati game and i gotta tell you luke fickle and cincinnati looked very much like a michigan state team in that there were a lot of penalties and wildcat so oh no I, i tweeted during the game that luke uh luke fickle doesn't realize that the wildcat makes him an even better fit for the oh, no. Michigan State job. <laughs> but uh, no, Luke Fickle's a great coach. To, yeah. They had a they had a tough game. Penalties have been a problem for them, but um, he's a good coach. He's done a really good job. I continue to maintain that there's nobody else out there who would be a better fit for the job. But all of or nearly all, almost all of the Power 5 jobs have been filled. Boston College is still open, and their AD is a former Ohio State guy who worked with uh, Fickle, but I'd be surprised if Fickle took the Boston College job. I think he knows he can do better. So, you know, if, if Luke Fickle again makes it through the coaching cycle, uh, staying at Cincinnati, he will remain to be someone I think MSU should look at to replace D'Antoni whenever that time comes. So that was me kind of going on a tangent. But with all the questions about the staff all the time, uh, something that uh, came to mind. Was was there any? Did you have any reaction to that? Did you or was there anything else notable that D'Antonio said in this press availability? I mean, just off this specifically. I mean, also you. I mean, you mentioned Herm Edwards, and 
you know, Tom Herman and, and some of these coaches, the, these, these guys are making bowl games. Like they're not worried about, you know, what could come later on. They're making these changes when they need to make them. Um, but I think there are maybe a few ways to look at this. Um, you know, if, if it's some deal where he's not announcing changes until after the bowl, but he's been looking around and reaching out behind the scenes. And I think, I guess that's more understandable. Um, you know, and that's kind of like the response you can expect. But if he's truly just kind of sitting on all these potential assistants that he could bring in to provide a fresh perspective because he's focused on the damn pinstripe bowl, <laughs> I think that's a problem. Um, because by the time he's ready to look, you know, the candidate pool will be significantly smaller. So I, it depends what's really happening behind the scenes, which we don't really know. We don't have that information. But, uh, yes. you know, he's going to have to do something, I think. Yeah, it's just notable that some programs have been open about making these changes and moving forward while uh, MSU at least is not publicly or, or may not be um, at all. So we will see how that plays out. So your sweatpants are on for the day, but you're sick of microwaved leftovers and frozen pizza. Enter DoorDash, restaurant quality food with a living room dress code. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Just open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, or the Cheesecake Factory. A Panchero's recently opened up nearby me, and I loved Panchero's back when it was in East Lansing. I guess it's no longer there, but I can use DoorDash to get Panchero's really easily. Colton, you can't get Pancheros there, but what do you like to get in East Lansing? You know, I've said it once. I'll say it again. El Oasis is my spot. It's cheap, authentic Mexican food. I can order it from the comfort of my couch. I honestly cannot think of anything better. That's a great call. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code GREEN. Very simple. Promo code GREEN, you save GREEN. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store. Enter the promo code GREEN. That's promo code GREEN for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Uh, Before we get to mailbag questions, we're recording this on Monday. Kenny Wilkes won a pretty major award on Monday, and Colton wrote about it. So, Colton, uh, explain what that was and uh, kind of how, how that all came together. Yeah, so Kenny was a finalist for the Burlesworth Trophy, which was given to the best player who began his career as a walk-on. Um, he's in the top three. Uh, it was held in Arkansas. So, for, like, Kenny is one of my favorite players to cover because I swear every time I talk to him or just, like, people around him, I get the most ridiculous stories out of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but obviously his MSU, MSU career is kind of well-known, but I went back to – his childhood growing up on a farm in Grand Rapids. You know, he's the fifth of eight siblings who all do these interesting things. One of his brothers is a trampoline gymnast who competed for a spot in the 2020 Olympics. Whoa. Um, one of his sisters is a concert pianist. Like another one's an attorney. His dad's a heart surgeon. Um, his little brother, Charles, who's a walk-on himself at MSU right now, he opened his own snowmobile shop with his brother-in-law <laughs> like while he was still in high school. Um, Don't tell the NCAA. Right, yeah. (laughs) So it's just an insanely talented family. Um, So And Kenny was so competitive and aggressive as a kid that his his parents told me, like, you know, he used to organize these, like, fight clubs with the neighborhood kids in his basement. Like, like he'd whip out, like, MMA gear that he purchased specifically for, like, this event, and they all just go at it. 
So after a while, his mom was like, look, dude, you just got to find a hobby or something. So that's when he took up football. Um, so I go on to talk about this Grand Rapids gym that he trained at five days a week for three years straight, um, how MSU found him, you know, how he moved positions and finally the current day product. So this afternoon, it all kind of came together. It worked out well because he ended up winning the, the trophy. Um, so he had a little speech at the end. I, I threw in a quote at the end of my story and it's kind of this big picture look at his career as it starts to wind down in MSU and just kind of everything that, everything that took to get to this point. Yeah, truly a remarkable journey. I remember him in 2017 when he started to get more playing time and, uh, man, he looked so skinny out there and in that Michigan game in the rain, he was just making play after play. This guy just looked real skinny out there and you get to now and he's really beefed up and, uh, he's going to go on and certainly get drafted into the NFL. So quite a journey and, uh, Colton did a great job with that story. Make sure you check that out, uh, on the athletic. Now, we promised it last time and couldn't get to it, so we'll get to it now. Mailbag questions. Got a handful here. We'll, we'll try to do some more of these throughout December, just when there's not a ton to talk about. And first question from at Jared underscore Ramsey 22. What are the chances Samick, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, Samick, Duplain, and Dobbs develop into a competent offensive line? Colton, you have, uh, you've, focused on the line quite a bit, especially the young guys on there. Uh, what, what do you make of those guys and, and possibly the, the future of the offensive line there? Yeah, I've been high on this, this offensive line class since they got here. Um, Nick Samak and J.D. Duplain were both kind of lower-tier prospects, but they were both high upside because Ohio State was chasing after them late in the recruiting cycle last year, um, desperately trying to get them to flip, and they both stayed with MSU. Um, so I think that's a good sign. They're both Ohio kids. Both of them end up starting multiple games this year alongside each other. So have to have to be happy with kind of their progress in year one. Um, I will say these guys have to be developed. Um, I'm not sure Jim Bowman is the guy at his stage, the stage of his career, I guess. But I mean, you hope to see those guys take the next step as sophomores. Uh, that didn't really happen with the last wave of guys. You know, I know right. Mark Mark Staten was coaching them back then, but. You, you hope that that doesn't happen again. Um, you've got Devontae Dobbs, you know, a top 50 prospect himself. He's more of a project, uh, you know, just kind of him coming out of high school. He's a little bit more raw, but he had he has the most upside of all these guys. Um, and I think he kind of had a, a tough deal because MSU is putting him at left tackle and he's probably more of a guard. Um, but, you know, there's a reason why he's a top recruit, one of the, one of Antonio's top ranked recruits he's ever gotten at Michigan State. So. I think you have to give these, time, these guys time. Uh, they're going to need reps. I'm glad that they've kind of gotten to the mix here because that'll be that bodes well for the future. But you know, how long is Jim Bowman going to be around? You know, he's getting up there in age. Uh, I think you have to question his motivation in recruiting and things like that. And so um, it'll be interesting to see where this guys where these guys go. But I, I guess you hope that they don't turn out like the last group. Yeah, I mean, I mean, before that, there was a good. You know, they'd found some guys like Jack Conklin and uh, uh, Donovan and, and, and some guys, you know, the Allen family for a while. Um, offensive line has been the big of all the positions. It's, it's far and away been the biggest problem under D'Antonio. I think Jack Conklin might've been the first offensive lineman drafted under D'Antonio. They've had a couple others since then, but, but compared to the skill positions compared to especially defensive line, everything on, on, on uh, 
the defense side of the ball. It's it's the one spot where they've always had issues. And you know, D'Antonio always says he wants to. He all he's always wanted to to replicate Iowa and Wisconsin when he took over. But those guys, those teams always have really good offensive linemen. And MSU's usually been better at the skill positions and not as good at an offensive line. So there are some pieces here for them to work with. And uh, depending on what happens with possible staff changes, we'll see who is um, developing them. From at Nathan A01, let's say D'Antonio does the unthinkable and makes staff changes. Who are some realistic candidates for the offensive position coaches? This is hard to say because yeah. you don't really know what direction he wants to go in. Does he want to go into a, a a spread everybody out, air it out all the time offense? Does he want to do RPO heavy? It's it's hard to, you know, it depends what kind of philosophy he's looking for. The other part is there aren't a ton of coaches around who have worked with him because he's had the same, you know, Warner has been with him since the very beginning Salem came in after Dan Enos left in 2009. So uh, it, it's, you know, there aren't like former assistants who are doing great elsewhere who could come back. It, it's kind of hard to say. I don't know. I, I think about uh, speaking to Cincinnati. I mean, Mike Dembrock down at Cincinnati, he was previously at Notre Dame. Um, I don't know if he, I don't, I don't know what kind of major changes he would make, but um you know, just thinking of guys in, in the Midwest who could fit. It's really just kind of hard to say right now. Don't really know what he's looking for. It's not really much of an answer, but that's the biggest question is what philosophically he wants on that side of the ball. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing, you know. <laughs> like, this is tough because he wants guys he can get along with on these recruiting trips and things like yeah. that. That's what he's mentioned in the past. Like, last year there's a, the famous quote that's like, I don't just want to hand over the keys to the offense to someone, you know, I'm not going to get along with or someone that hasn't been here with me before. Um, so I think that makes his options limited. And it's like, do you want to overhaul the offense entirely and, and bring in a new coordinator? Do you just want assistance? If it's a coordinator, you know, one name I threw out a couple of weeks ago, which I, again, I, I don't know if that's a possibility, but if you're looking for something that might fit <laughs> like Ed Warner at Michigan, you know, I know he makes over 700000 which is more than any other assistant on MSU staff right now. But he's a great offensive line coach. I think he'd probably want to be a coordinator at this stage of his career if he's going to move on to something else. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure how much MSU could pay him, but he has the ties to D'Antonio. They're, you know, they're roommates back at Akron. Um, he met his wife in East Lansing. His son's on the football team. Um, I think he could help develop these young offensive linemen. Um, so I, you know, in terms of what D'Antonio says he wants, a, a guy that knows him has been around and things like that. I think he would check the boxes, I think, but I think the financial aspect of things and whether he even wants to leave Michigan and things like that also factor in here. So it's, it's really tough to say, honestly. That, that's a good point. You brought up the point about, um, pay and that, you know, MSU is middle of the pack, upper end of the conference and assistant salary pay. But compared to the likes of Michigan and Ohio state and Penn state, they're, not even close, really. Um, you know, Pat Narduzzi was a $1 million assistant to keep him. That's, you know, that's becoming the norm at top programs to have a, a, at least one $1 million assistant. And MSU doesn't have anything anywhere near that. Partly because or MSU doesn't have anything anywhere near that. Partly because they don't have assistant coaches that other schools are trying to hire anymore, for one. Um, but that that's a big part. If they do make changes, how much are they willing to invest in it? And, um, 
Warner is an interesting uh, name. He was actually the offensive coordinator for Kansas during that 2007 season when yeah. they went to the Orange Bowl with Todd Reesing and, and aired it out and all that stuff. So yeah. uh, that's a good it's a good name to look at. And, and he he was the offensive coordinator at Ohio State, um, but he was kind of politely shoved aside uh, Urban when Urban Meyer decided to change things up and he went from there to Minnesota as the offensive line coach. Now he's the Michigan offensive line coach, but he does have a lot of offensive line experience. So maybe that's a name to, uh, to watch. Next question from Trevor Upchurch. Uh, the fourth anniversary of MSU's last big 10 title. Can anyone buy into MSU ever getting back to Indy, whether it's with D'Antonio or the next head coach? Um, Ever? I mean, I'm I'm gonna say no. I mean, wait, did he, he says like ever getting back, or does he mean like with this ev- coach well, and the next coach? That's true. I'll say I'll just assume it's well. Let's take it into two questions. Can first, <laughs> can it happen again with Antonio? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Especially with what Ohio State is doing right now, they're at a level even higher than Urban Meyer had them. Yeah, doesn't mean you can't have good seasons, but. Uh, it's going to be tough. With the next head coach, um, it's possible. Depends who Depends they hire, they right? There's no way to say that for sure unless we know who is the next head coach and what they're building, things like that. Yeah. Oh, and one thing, actually, I forgot, it kind of ties into this uh, with, with the staff changes. D'Antonio's uncertain future is um, – that's going to be a hindrance to people who want to come in. If people only think D'Antonio's going to be around one or two more years, do assistants want to move – up and move their families to come here if they think they might have to find a new job in a year or two. Um, that's going to yeah. hurt you. Yeah. Um, uh, question from Jordan Uhl. Is there any chance for a grad transfer quarterback? Uh, D'Antonio made a comment about the transfer portal the other day, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he basically said that they're looking at options, but, I mean, every coach should be looking in the transfer portal. Um, he didn't necessarily say anything about quarterbacks, though. That's the thing, like... It's, it's funny whenever he gets asked a question because he sort of just like laughs um, whenever someone asks him about whether he's looked in there because it seems like he personally wants no part of that and obviously assigned someone else to do the dirty work. But, uh, I mean, MSU came away with Jaden Reed um, this offseason. You know, Wide fre- receiver from Western Michigan. Yep, freshman All-American. You know, he'll probably be a starting receiver next year. I think he's a really talented guy that will probably slot in at, at the slot position. Um so, you know, they're looking. It's just I'm not convinced they're truly looking for a quarterback right now. And it's hard to say whether they should or not. I mean, I think the the, the clear answer is maybe, yeah, they should be doing their due diligence and kind of looking around. But at the same time, you've got some young guys who need to show what they can do first before you look at those other options, I think. Um, and you don't want to alienate those guys and, and then see them in the transfer portal. So it's tough to say, especially on the record, like what are they looking for, what are they not looking for. But uh, I, I assume they're looking and doing their homework. Yeah, I mean, th- there are some guys, Theo Day, on the roster that seem to have had promise, but we haven't seen anything from them. It'll, it'll be good. Having the extra 15 bowl practices will be very good to, to get those guys reps. I have to imagine at least Rocky Lombardi will get a series in this bowl game. Usually D'Antonio does this. He tries to get young guys, um, especially quarterbacks, reps in the bowl games when they're going to have to – uh, change quarterbacks. Um, he did say that that uh, 
Theo Day and Peyton Thorne, the young quarterbacks, will get meaningful reps in practice. There you go. So there you go. There you go. Figured that. Um, I agree they should look at a grand transfer quarterback. I don't know if they can get him, but when you see Shea Patterson, when you see in the playoff, we've got Jalen Hurts, a grad transfer, Justin Fields, not a grad transfer, but a transfer, um, and uh, Joe Burrow, a grad transfer. Three of the four quarterbacks in the playoff are transfers. It's something you absolutely, certainly should be looking at. Um, yes. When you can get a guy like that, yes. But Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys don't grow on trees. I don't know. Right. That's and again, I don't know if you can get him to to uh, to come. But this is kind of how the things work now. You know, I I, uh, I I wrote about SMU here in Dallas earlier this year. They brought in sixteen transfers last off season. Jeez. That included that included Shane Bouchelle, former he grad transferred from Texas. He had an amazing year. SMU goes ten and two, number six scoring offense in the country. SMU was five and seven the last year. Uh, so, you know, at SMU, a lot of it was guys from the Dallas area who want to come back, play close to home. That may not be, MSU may not have that type of, uh, advantage, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so some teams are absolutely going in the, in the transfer portal for stuff. Some guys are not, uh, nothing really makes me think D'Antonio would do anything major with that. But if he's concerned about the quarterbacks, maybe he does. Well, and the other part of this is like, D'Antonio won't promise any quarterback a starting job. That's really never been his his deal. So if you're a quarterback in the transfer portal and you're already in a bad situation, you're looking for something better, especially a grad transfer, why would you commit to a place in your final year of eligibility, you know, just to play in an offense that's not great and not be guaranteed a starting job? Right. There's not a ton that's appealing about MSU's offense. It, it, it ain't Connor Cook and Kirk Cousins and Brian Hoyer and Nick Foles uh, in the NFL anymore. It's 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 been a – Difficult string, and uh, especially with offensive staff changes, possibly too. Then you don't know what you're doing. So that'll do it for the questions. Uh, keep sending us some. We'll try to gather some and try to do some each episode or so moving forward while we figure out what to talk about. Uh, just tweet them at Chris Vanini for me, uh, at Colton underscore Pouncy for him. No E in the Pouncy. And that'll do it here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, give us feedback, whatever you want. We always support it. We appreciate the support. That's what I meant to say. So for Colton, I'm Chris Vanini. Thanks to our producer, Mike Zimmerman, who you guys finally got to listen to. Shout out to the road dog, Jesse James, who I'm sure will not be on this podcast. And we will see you on the other side.